everyone, it's Dr. Dickinson and welcome to another episode of Teacher Prep. Today we'll be joined by three teachers that are currently teaching online and they're going to be sharing what's working in distance learning. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and if you leave a review, you'll be entered into a contest to win my latest publication, The Virtual Classroom, Creating Distance Learning Experiences in Math for K-8 through Learners, now available on Amazon. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Teacher Prep. This is Dr. D, and today we have three special guests who are in the classroom teaching remotely, and they're here to share with us their experiences, their successes and challenges in distance learning. So today's episode is called Lesson Learned, Teaching at a Distance. So joining us today, we have Paul Dietrich, Travis Novick, and Brett McMahon. Um, we're going to get started, you guys. Thanks so much for joining me tonight. Um, Paul, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself to our audience, tell us what you teach and where, and anything else you want to share. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I, I appreciate the opportunity and, and just to have another voice out there to give a little bit of advice, inspiration, whatever I can give to everyone else. Um, but again, yeah, I'm, I'm Paul Dietrich, and this is, I'm in my ninth year of teaching, so I'm almost I'm almost to the 10, I'm almost double digit. Um, but I'm in Gonzales, California. So it's kind of, you know, like Central Valley and um, uh, been teaching math for for the last nine years with some computer science and MESA advising in there, but um, two years at the high school level. So alternative ed, juniors and seniors. And then the last seven years have actually been um, at the middle school level. Awesome. Thanks so much, Paul. And I know that you just got this Google award. So tell us a little bit about that. You're a Google innovative educator, right? Um, yeah, well, I'm almost there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Google has different certifications. They have Google certified, you know, uh, educator, there's trainer, and then there's, there's innovator. And it's, it's a, you know, one of those super highly competitive programs to get into. So I was, you know, fortunate if I'm, Super blessed to get on my first try because it's this thing was worldwide. And so, yeah, part of that is, you know, we're working on a passion project where um, we're hoping to have a, a big, a big footprint in helping schools across the world with your, your different projects. But um, yeah, so once my, my academy portion is done, that's when I can officially be called an innovator. So cool. So on top of doing distance learning, you're also doing the Google innovator training, correct? I'm doing the Google Innovator Academy. I'm part of the Monterey Bay Q board and I'm part of EdTech committee. I'm, I'm part of a bunch of stuff. Awesome. Keep it busy. Keep yourself busy and out of trouble. That's what I say. <laughs> Travis, Absolutely. why don't you introduce our, uh, yourself to, to everyone out today? Hi. Um, first of all, thank you for, for inviting me and uh, for, for having us. Um, my name is Travis Novak. Um, I'm also going into my ninth year uh, teaching. Um, I teach social studies. I've been mostly a high school teacher, some middle school. Uh, currently, I'm teaching 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, uh, again, over here in central New Jersey. All right. Thanks so much, Travis. And Brett? Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Brett McMahon. I am an SCC uh, teacher intern in Riverside County. I teach social studies and I work with 10th or 12th graders. Let me tell you, this is quite a year. <laughs> and so Brett, tell for those people that don't know what SCC is, can you tell us what that, what that stands for? 
Yeah, so it is a special day class. So most of my students, uh, they are with me uh, for most of the day. They may receive services um, that they're either pushed in or pulled out, but um, for the most part, um, it's it's not RSP. Most of my students are, um, you know, uh, on IEP plans and in my class most of the day are other STC teachers. So are you meeting with your kids right now or is everything being done remotely? Uh, we are doing a 100% distance learning model right now. Wow. Well, my hat goes off to you because that's, that's a huge lift. And for all of you guys out there that are, I mean, I couldn't imagine, I have one my one class of adult learners, but you middle school and high school teachers out there, you, you might have five or six sections. How do you guys manage it all? How do you get it all together when you have so many kids and so much screen time that you have to deal with in a day to day? Paul, you want to share? Sure. Yeah, I can. I can start. Um, yeah. So we, we were just talking a little bit earlier and how just your your system or your model for instruction just really kind of varies by district that you're in. So uh, and like I know what you're saying, Shisha, is that you have was it for your son was like what eight to two was just pure screen time right right or something something like that and so yeah our model is it's a little bit different so we actually have um i teach i teach six six sections so there's there's like three seventh grade math classes that i teach two eighth grade then i teach one computer fundamentals so we get into coding and some other fun stuff like that and um what we do is actually uh monday it's it's all asynchronous learning. There's no, there's no live class okay. that we have on Monday. So, the, but the Mondays are the days where we have our, um, you know, uh, staff meetings or our PLCs that we're doing, or and and even like our small groups of kids that we pull in or um, certain minutes that we need to complete that way too. But there's no live classes on Monday. It's those happen on Tuesday through Friday, um, and even then the kids they get about two hours a day of just live time only mm. so it's only two hours so um so they have the six periods but we go um like tuesday thursdays periods one two and three right and those are about 45 minutes each it's technically supposed to be about 20 minutes of instruction and then 25 of where it's kind of like you're helping to facilitate they're asking questions and whatnot um and your wednesday Wednesday, uh, Friday are your periods four, five, and six, and it's then it's the same deal. So um, it's really only the two hours of instruction, um, but then there are extension activities that we do that would kind of equate to about 40 minutes per class. So they, they in the end, they still get about the four hours of instruction. So let's say you have your eighth grade math class, period four. How often are you meeting with them throughout the week? And actually, I do have an eighth grade math class period four. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, it's kind of like every um, so fourth period. Then that that falls on the Wednesday and Friday days. So mm. I see them forty five minutes on Wednesday, and then forty five minutes on Friday. But then I will be basically kind of sending out Google Meet invites to create small groups. That's going to be coming up. We have certain. Um, ELD instructional minutes that we're going to be doing as well. So in the mornings, those would be kind of like mandated times for kids that come in. But essentially, like every day, I always have office hours from like 
at least starting off from like 9.30 to 10, depending on how many kids um, are interested in that particular day. So um, it, and, unless I'm actually pulling kids, there's there's only that that those specific 45 minute time slots. Wow. And somehow you're juggling it all. That, that seems like that would be a lot for me uh, to process all these different spaces where I need to be and all different kinds of groups of kids that I'm meeting with and knowing what, who get, who's getting what. For me, that's, uh, it's, it's, that's, for me, that's way more doable than going four hours, five hours straight of computer classes. Right. Yeah. I mean, that there's definitely, like you were saying, those, those teachers that do have to do that with their every single day, they're just in a zoom for four, four or five hours a day. Yeah, that's, um, that's rough. Yeah, that that's rough. That's <laughs> rough for the kids too. Trust me on that. Mm. Travis, tell us about what your structure looks like at your school. Okay, so um, I'm actually starting a uh, a new job this year at a different school, so uh, I feel like a first year teacher all over again. Um, this year, I'm starting at a uh, at a private school, um, and they've invested heavily in a lot of technology and a lot of safety. Um, so we are in person and we are doing a hybrid model where we have in-person instruction um, combined with um, some students who are remote. Mm. And so the structure kind of changes because um, the, the, way, the way the model works is they can be in, um, they, can, okay, they, they can drop to remote anytime that they want. Right. Um, but to in person, they have, there's only certain windows. There's five windows throughout the year that they can um, do that. If they go remote for whatever reason, they have to stay remote until the next window uh, opens. There's this whole quarantine um, procedure that they have to go through to be allowed to come back um, in person. Um, and, and so that's great for, for us as teachers because it's a little bit safer that way along with all the PPE that we have um, that, that goes in. From a planning perspective, however, um, that is very jarring because at any time you're right now, it's mostly in person that I have, and I have only about a handful of remote students. However, I know, and I have to prepare for the fact that at any time that ratio can switch to where now I've got half and half and I've got some in person, some remote, and then mostly remote. Um, and so anything that I have planned, I have to be able to adapt to whatever, um, the environment is that we're going to be in that particular day or that particular week. Right. So I see. So you're kind of planning for both scenarios and I bet you're spending a lot more time behind the computer now because you have to have this in-person space that also goes along with a remote learning plan. Absolutely. Um, and, but you know what, I think though it, it's great because it's forcing us as teachers um, to innovate and mm -hmm. to figure out how we can better use technology. Um, before it was kind of, you know, you use technology in the same way that you would use regular, um, or not regular, but I'd say old school tools, like sure. where the laptop just becomes a notebook. You know, it's, it's, you're not really changing or adapting or using technology. You're just using something, you know, a much more expensive notebook. Um, by, by doing this, it is now forcing us to have to rethink and to, to get more comfortable with technology. And it's a learning curve. It is a big learning curve, and I don't think anybody's really um, mastered it. At least not not anybody that I work with, anyway, and certainly not me. But we're working on it, and, and right. we're we're growing. And it, it's, I think it's producing great things that we can use when eventually we go back to whatever normal is. 
I love that. Whatever normal is. But when you were talking, I was thinking, oh, he must have just got a PD on the SAMR model or something. Because <laughs> I hear that substitution, moving to augmentation and modification. Now he's like, what's that? Um, but yeah, no, that is so true. It's, it's really getting people to kind of like, who moved my cheese? We have to kind of, we have to move in this space. We have to use technology to be innovative and to be creative and to actually you know, get into that space where we feel comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, and also I was thinking, man, we've been talking about growth mindset for so long to our students, but boy, do we really have to put that into play this year as teachers, right? Well, thanks, Travis. It's great to learn about your uh, position and what you're doing at your school. Brett, let's hear about your structure. What's your day look like or your week? All right, so trial by fire, right? We are, <laughs> <laughs> the way the, stru the structure of our uh, schedule is set up, every class, so typically most kids have six classes and they're gonna go for, you know, 40 minutes each. So we're looking at, you know, minimum four hours of instruction. In, in those 40 um, minute segments, 20 of those minutes are supposed to be synchronous. And then the other 20 are, are offline or assignment based. So imagine, you know, you're taking five, five minutes to get the kids on task and then you have 15 minutes left to teach. So it's, it's definitely, um, a challenge for a new teacher, you know, while you're trying to, um, figure out what works best, how you can reach the kids m most effectively, you know, you realize, oh, not all the kids are on the same, uh, same uh skill level for utilizing technology uh for instance i i assigned a flipgrid assignment and half the kids didn't know how to use flipgrid so it's been trial by error for me trying to figure out what uh works efficiently um how to engage the students right i you know i'm 32 years old and going to school uh most of lessons were lecture based so right. we sat there and we took notes and we um you know, took the information and now it's a little different, you know, not all our students um, have their cameras on. Uh, there's privacy rules, you know, that we have to respect. So it's not like we could check for understanding and call on everybody just by looking at nonverbals or a right. single person. So with that, um, I've really had to integrate pop culture into these short time timelines to get the kids on task, you know, ASAP and try to, um, you know, draw in concepts that they're already familiar with to help them learn. And okay. it's been quite a whirlwind, but I, I feel very rewarded. Like you said, it's survive and adapt. And um, the nice thing is at the end of this year, I'm going to have all this information going into the future uh, right. and seeing what apps particularly with technology student. Right. And I think that I, and I was actually watching a, a student today videotape. He was a PE teacher and he did a, a flip grid video. And I thought, oh, this is great. Kids are going to be so into it. They're doing flip grid. And he had surveyed them about what did they like the flip grid and most of them said no they didn't want to be on video they didn't feel comfortable showing themselves in front of their peers uh and so while i was like wow uh, we have to kind of adapt like you were saying to to our 
culture to our students to where they feel safe and comfortable and make adjustments on the fly. Because just like you go in the classroom and you have this wonderful lesson planned out and it flops, you have to think, okay, what can I be doing differently? And so much of it is based on your students and where they're at, what they bring into the classroom, what they feel comfortable with. So it's great to hear that you're already in that mindset of, you know, being flexible, being comfortable, trying new things, but then also adapting to your students. I think that's a huge win. All right, you guys. Well, thanks so much for sharing about what your day looks like. Let's talk about some of the successes that you've had so far with remote teaching. It could be something that you did last year or something that you're currently working on um, that you are finding that it's working really well for your kiddos. Paul, do you want to share? Sure, yeah. I think um, I, I think for me, like surprisingly, I think um, attendance actually has not been really an issue. What I'm noticing is that is it, it's actually quite common that I'll probably get 100% attendance, maybe, maybe, maybe miss like one or two kids in all three of the classes combined. But I think so far, um, attendance has actually been a very big plus. And I think it's one of the reasons is probably because I think it's kids just meet, uh, they miss some sort of structure. Right. Um, and it's like, even if they're not really talking or, I mean, actually I, I might have like one or two kids in total that actually do turn on their cameras. Everything else is, I think it was, I think what Brett was saying, I think, you know, all the cameras are off. Um, but I think they just, they like knowing that they're there with other people sure. and to kind of experiencing this, class um together um but i think uh yeah attendance has been like a really big plus um a big plus for me too is it's interesting because there's a lot of uh tech uh experiments that i kind of i've always wanted to try during the year but haven't really had the time to do it and this is kind of like you know it's it's 100 percent all in you know and um you get to try and experiment a lot of different uh tech tools with, with tech tools and it's it's a lot of fun Great. Well, I mean, that 100% participation is amazing. And I agree that kids are just craving that normalcy. And the parents, too, I see some of these videos with the parents, and they're kind of chiming in the background and, you know, making sure their kids are paying attention. It's like, we all just, we want to have that normal space and to learn and grow and the kids miss their friends. So it's great that you're providing a space for that. Um, and as a math teacher, I want to hear one awesome tool that your kids are loving, because I'm also a math friend. <laughs> well, actually, I was going to go back one second, because participation and attendance were two separate conversations. That's true. <laughs> I can have everyone there, but I might get, you know, when I choose somebody in the classroom, um, then I might get 50% of those who actually respond. Um, but yeah, so that's that's a separate issue. Um, in terms in terms of like actual math, um, what math tools? I guess, I guess a big one for me has just really been um, actually among other things, just probably like Google Slides. Mm -hmm. I mean, if anything was, there's, I have all the shapes there that I need. Um, there's a there are some things that I really want to try out for like online manipulatives because that's that's what I'm really lacking is the actual hands-on piece. Right. But I found that if I have Google Slides, I can have them drag and drop, um, you know, slide different circles in and or show a visual and and actually even talking to our um, our special education teachers where some kids actually they do on their IEPs, they require that man, the manipulative, the hands on. And 
at least for the time being, being able to use Google Slides and watching them manipulate stuff on the screen kind of counts for that. Um, but actually, as of right now, I mean, I, I still want to explore Desmos and GeoGebra and all that kind of stuff, all that fun stuff. But right now, um, Google Slides is where it's at for me. Awesome. Yeah, I love slides. And I um, actually watched a teacher today do a Bridges Math Learning Center teaching integers on the number line. I was like, oh, that's great. And the kids were totally getting it. So anything where the kids can manipulate and move and for your little kiddos, we miss those wreck and wrecks, but they can make wreck and wrecks, get some string and beads. And uh, one of my students actually made a wreck and wreck with, uh, with um, mouth floss <laughs> and beads because they didn't have any string at their house. Whatever works, right? Whatever Travis. Works. Yes, thanks. Travis, can you share with us some of your successes? Um, sure. So um, with, with some of the, the remote learning, um, I was fortunate enough to be able to do most of it um, asynchronously. Um, so what I did, uh, instead of trying to do like a lesson when we had our time to meet together, um, what I did was I recorded my lessons. Uh -huh. And this allowed me to do so much more with multimedia, um, you know, make things come out. So anything that was direct instruction was taped beforehand. They could do that whenever they wanted to. Um, they didn't have to, you know, sit there and listen to me. What we then used our, our time together for was to discuss and to talk about and to go over um, any questions that they had to then probe deeper questions. So, so that discussion that we would normally have along with the direct instruction um, was now split up into, to, into two different parts. But again, having that, that time to really just you know, just talk, have a conversation um, in, in our Zoom meetings was great. And then all the other stuff they could do on their own time. And the kids love that. The fact that, you know what, for high schoolers, eight in the morning is not the best time for them, some, you know, to, to receive new information. Mm. I think we lost Travis. Um, oh, there he is. <laughs> back. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> So you're using like a flipped video approach where you're recording your lectures and then the students are watching your video and then during your Zoom meetings that you're having that discussion. So maybe you're asking some open-ended questions, right? So it's not just yes and no, oh, yeah. things like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and it was, you know, and it's pure debate questions to get kids, you know, to, to kind of bait them into talking about, about some of the issues and get them really fired up about whatever it is. Um, and so, you know, so, so that was, that was a great model that, um, I ran with last year, um, trying to do a lot of the same with the, the in-person and the hybrid. Um, but so far it's working with having the, the discussion going with the, the, the students that are at home who are watching, um, on zoom, um, constantly and cold calling the zoom, whoever's, you know, whoever is, is doing it remotely. Um, but so far it's been, it's been good as far as having the, the conversation going, um, not just me to the students, but also the students to each other. Right. So going back to Paul's point earlier about, uh, participation versus attendance, what are you doing to get them to actually participate during these zoom meetings? Um, so again, just, um, I, I think having, having the set, whatever we're going to discuss, including whatever questions I'm about to ask them, having them have that beforehand. Right. Um, so that way they're coming into it, knowing what it is that they are going to be arguing for. So, you know, in social studies, it's a lot of, you know, open-ended questions. There's no right answer. Um, and so for them to then have the research, have the, the information that they need to prove their points, 
coming into it. Um, that that that's great. Um, also, um, using you know Google Suite, um, I became a big fan of, of that Google Docs, um, Google Slides because um, they can work on it together. They can work on it synchronously, um, and that's not something that they have to do on camera. Right. Uh, so you know they they can be working. They can work at a set time together. Either you know if that's in our class uh, time together. Um, which is what it was mostly that would be the time they can get together or, you know, if they're setting something up at eight o'clock at night on their own time, um, that's fine too. But being able to collaborate and to work um, together with something in front of them on the computer screen, that's not just videos uh, or not just the, the videos of, you know, Zoom videos of us talking, um, you know, I, I felt that that was something that, that they really enjoyed and that got them participating a little bit more. So two things, one would be front loading. If I was going to go to teacher ed talk, right? You're front loading all of that for them. So they know what to anticipate. You're using a flipped approach so that there's less teacher lecture and more engagement. And then you're building on that with those Google slides, Google suites. I also love two things, Google Jamboard, which is really cool for synchronous. And that's building on that interactivity principle so that everybody's not just sitting there idly, but really they're in real time doing things and collaborating. Awesome. You are okay. just on your way to becoming a tech guru. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, let's hear your words of wisdom out there for our teachers. What's some successes that you're having? And the first thing I want to mention is I love what Travis was talking about, about the, um, you know, recording the lectures. That's actually something that I'm seeing that I need to do. And my goal is to annotate them so students can look for key information, like go back and watch the videos. But um, so my success stories that I'm looking at, I feel like I'm building a repertoire of skills at a much faster level because I have had to survive and adapt. If, mm. if I don't provide that information online, if it's not prepared, then that makes me look bad, but it also is a disservice to the students. So another success story is that I'm reducing clutter for future years. I'm building you know, an, an environmentally friendly classroom with less paper. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Google Drive is, right? <laughs> yeah, that's huge. And the, and the other positive is that our students, um, they're starting to learn how to use the technology that I, that I want to employ in my classroom, which improves my ability um, to be a more efficient teacher, but also to collect more data on student learning. Mm. I feel like these apps that we have uh, access to, they give us so much information. They build a, you know, a, a profile of how our students learn right. and where they struggle, where they're doing good. And I feel like that allows me, you know, going forward to have more meaningful interventions, but also create more relevant goals and progress to share with parents, you know, say if you're running a meeting, and I came into this year that I'm probably going to sink, so might as well try everything I possibly could as, as a new teacher and, you know, reflect on it periodically, right? Well, man, I'm impressed listening to you talk about assessment. I'm like, who was his assessment teacher at National? Because you have it down, my friend. <laughs> That's great to hear about all the ways that you're using data to make informed decisions with your students. And so that really kind of makes me think about are you guys seeing your students become more self-directed as a result of this shift to um, distance learning? 
I think um, it's been, you know, it, it's been interesting because some students who um, I'm, I'm thinking last year who in the classroom weren't that, you know, who all of a sudden they get some remote learning and it's a different environment and they just, you know, they, they, they flew with it. Um, and staying, you know, high flying. Um, so I think it was just really interesting to see. I think we're losing Travis in New Jersey. So you're saying you think it's really interesting to see the evolution of students, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, am I back now? So that yeah. should go into, I, that's one of your challenges later that we're going to talk about, but assuming that the internet is not going to work. <laughs> that's uh, right. Was... Well, talk about that, how you guys manage those <laughs> shaky internet service problems, especially for you, Brett, when you only have 20 minutes. That must be so stressful. <sighs> But uh, so you guys are seeing more self-directed learning. I, I see you guys, we're in a Zoom, but we're also on a podcast, so we need to hear you. Paul, what about you? Are you seeing more self-direction from students? I, I see a lot more now students um, emailing me, asking um, what they're missing, um, what assignments need to be completed. They're a lot more on top of it than in previous years. Mm -hmm. um, just because I, I I noticed that in while when we were in person, I, I'm kind of doing a lot of the chasing. And right. what I'm noticing now is that because we use we use Aries, so I can kind of, you know, quote unquote publish an assignment and that lets them know what assignments are missing. And they kind of see like the lower, the lower grade because how Aries works. And so they they actually come to me a lot more frequently than I think in years past. Um, but I, I still find it interesting in the sense that um They'll, they'll come to me for grades, but in terms of, I think probably getting assignments done because for the moment we're, we're using a lot more of like Khan Academy mm. for different fillers and whatnot to kind of like supplement curriculum. Um, and what I do find myself doing though is trying to make sure that they know that there's assignments there. So I, I, the biggest key is, you know, that consistency. So like they know, oh, for sure, every single day, I want to have at least, you know, between two to three Khan Academy assignments, I need to check there, right? right. So I need to check Google Classroom and just to kind of make sure we're, we're that they're on top of it. But so I'm, I'm doing, basically in summary, I'm doing a lot more, check your assignments, know that they're there, but they're doing a lot more, hey, I'm just wondering, am I missing anything? I have this grade, is there anything that I can do? Right. So that's what I'm seeing. That's awesome. So they're kind of owning the learning, but you're also putting into place as they hear you talking, some structures and routines that are helping them become self-directed because they know what your structure is. They know what your routine is so they can help them in terms of self-management, self-regulation and becoming self-directed with all of these procedures that you've got into place. That's huge, right? Same thing we talk about as beginning teachers is you've got to have those procedures and routines down, but you, now you're doing that in a distance learning environment. Brett, did you want to add on to what we've been talking about in terms of self-directed learning or? Um, as for self-directed learning, I, I definitely think that has been something that I've seen. I work in a Title I school district, so a lot of these kids have to overcome so much more than, you know, the average person even thinks about in a day. Right. So these kids have to fend for themselves. They have to um, know where they're at. Otherwise, you know, the workload is going to swallow them alive. 
So you, you really feel for them, but you also see that there is resilience being built um, in um, getting. Yeah, so a lot of resilience, grit, growth mindset, all of those soft skills that we talk about, we want to bring into the classroom, but we just never have any time for because we're always so focused on academics. We're doing that now. So these are all great, huge successes that are evolving you know, maybe just not how we intended, but they're happening. So lots of great silver linings as a result of moving in this direction. But let's talk about some of those challenges. And I know, Travis, right now we're experiencing some challenges with you on the internet. <laughs> what are some other challenges that you've encountered, Travis, and how do you overcome them? Um, so I, I think... I'm, I'm going to speak kind of generally with this um, and you, you touched on it before, but just having those structures and procedures in place um, and having a plan, assuming that everything is going to go wrong and you need to, you know, and that, and that goes for not just distance learning. I think that goes for the classroom in general. Uh, you mentioned before, and I had this happen to me a lot in my first year of teaching. I planned a great lesson. You know, I thought it was going to be great. The kids are going to love it. Everything's going on, and it goes horribly, horribly wrong. Um, and then I'm kind of left with, you know, what, what do I do? So um, through experience, um, I, you know, I, I've gotten to it where it's, okay, I've got this plan, but if I need to switch on the dime, here's something else that I can do. Um, so having that multiple options of, of knowing, hey, if this thing goes goes down, at least I got something else that, that I can do. And, and having, again, like, like you were saying before, uh, I think, Paul, um, about, you know, having structure and procedures. So that way, if my internet go, does go down, they have something in front of them that they are working on that they can continue and actually get something, you know, some value out of, you know, our, our time together, because that's really what we want them, you know, to, to have. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that kind of, you know, wraps it up, just having having a backup plan and having the ability to improvise. I think as teachers, um, that's that's a big skill that, that we need to have is to be able to to kind of roll with the punches and 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 be able to adapt to anything. Absolutely. Thanks, Travis. Uh, Paul, you want to share some of your challenges? Yeah, well, there's there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think probably OK, my, my top two, if I had to narrow it down, my top two are, and I'll go with the second, the second hardest one is, um, it's kind of like, even though they're, they seem to be on top of it with you know, the cell phones and the TikToks and all this kind of stuff, a lot of kids really don't know how to use mm. technology. Um, they don't know how to do, how to search in a proper way to get results um, or just, it's almost like simple things that would, uh, for someone much more experienced would be like, well, it's kind of like common sense and it should be common sense for them because of, you know, what uh, generation they're born into. But it's, it's interesting because it's, it's not, it's not common sense. And it's, it's a lot of uh, uh, directly teaching them how to use a specific tool, how to use technology in a certain way um, to, you know, then to get the results that you need, but then for them to develop the skills that they need. Um, so I think technology usage and just knowledge of how to use it is like one of the difficulty, difficulties that I've been having. But um, I think probably my own biggest challenge is my, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with building relationships mm. because in the classroom, 
you see their faces. You can, um, I think it was uh, Travis or Brett was saying that when you're in the classroom, you can you can kind of see when when the eyes are starting to glaze over and what you know, when you're kind of whatever you're talking about is kind of going over their head. Um, but that ability just to kind of you know within a class go to a student who kind of seems to be disengaged and just sit with them and just say, hey, how are you doing? Um, that's not there because for the most part, my screens are all are all black. They're all turned off. And actually, I brought this up to um, a couple of my classes one day and I said, you know, I said, you know, guys, actually, you know, I realized something and it, it actually, it, it's really disheartening. It really makes me, it's, it's sad for me because it's very possible that depending on how this whole year goes with vaccines and, and whatnot, we might actually go through the entire year and I don't even know what you look like. Mm. You know, the only thing that I have is their photo on Aries, but that's one, two and three years old. Um, so a lot of times, um, especially when we have these meetings coming up for IEPs and like, oh, how, how is so-and-so doing? the only thing I have to fall back on is did they turn into work? Because other than that, I really don't know who this child is. Right. Unless they're coming in frequently for office hours and some of them do, and I'm building relationships that way. But for the good majority, for me, that's probably the most difficult is being able to build relationships. Um, because right now, um, I'm, it's, 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 it's hard. Right. Yeah. I hear that. And I hear, your frustration when you're talking about that. And, and that is kind of like that human space that we crave as teachers that we love. It was really hard for me when I started, I've been teaching online since 2009. And Travis was one of my first students. <laughs> but um, yeah, getting even adults, like they don't want to be online. And I'm like, what is going on? And I finally was like, hey, you guys, I get you're all out there with your PJs on. Guess what? I am too. Look, here's my PJs. And being really silly with them and letting them see my silly side. And um, I think one time my daughter came in and she was crying and I was so stressed out. I was like, oh my God, my students are seeing me here with my daughter having a meltdown. And I feel like, oh my God, I probably look so incompetent right now to my students. And then I got an email later and um, one of my students was like, oh, my mom and I watched your video and when your daughter came up and she was crying, that was just so sweet. Like how you just, you know, took her in your arms and try to like calm her down and be there for her. So I think part of that space is just remembering that, you know, that you're human, everybody's human and try to be human and try to bring that human energy in a virtual space. So you know, whether you do something like silly hat day and encourage them to turn their cameras on or crazy hair day, just like they do in class or wear your favorite college t-shirt or whatever they're into and encourage them. And it may take weeks. I mean, I had this eight week class. Nobody had ever turned their, their cameras on. And finally, I think I did some silly, like it was like a fake wine Wednesday or something like that. And they finally turn their cameras on. But um, yeah, so just don't give up. And I and I totally get where you're coming from. And, and I think it's a, it's a natural progression. But over time, they'll, they'll turn their cameras on. So how about you guys? Have you had any successes with that? Or can you piggyback on that? Um, 
Yeah, I, I think what you said was great. And um, I think that that's the, when you're talking about like, oh no, you know, everyone's going to think I'm so incompetent. I think that that's a fear that we all have as teachers, especially new teachers, is that that fear of like, um, you know, like, oh, the, the, the kind of imposter um, fear that, you know, I'm not doing this. But guess what? We're all going through that. This is a crazy time. We're all uncomfortable with, with all this. Um, and so I think just showing, you know, your students that, yes, I'm human. And yes, I'm going through this craziness too. Um, I don't know how many times I had my dog walk through the screen, um, you know, as, as I'm giving one of these, one of these, uh, uh, either a lesson, whether it's live or one of the ones I'm recording. Um, and, you know, just, just having that, that kind of human moment of, you know what, this is, this is wild, this is wacky, but, you know, it, it really helps bring everybody kind of more at ease. Right. Uh, with, with being in this new environment, this new world. So um, as far as, you know, bu building relationships um, with new students, I think just a way for them to kind of see that, yes, we're all going through this together. Um, yes, this is all difficult. Uh, and then just trying to put them at ease, laughing. Um, you know, you can't, you're on the podcast, so you can't see this, but everybody's looking at this. Um, on Zoom, on our panel, I'm in my daughter's uh, nursery right now. Um, <laughs> And so I, I'm glad that I have a daughter now because I've had bad dad jokes for the last 20 something years and now somebody can actually enjoy them. So I've been giving them to my students the whole time, just terrible bad dad jokes, just something to get them kind of like laughing, um, whatever we can to kind of break that tension to, to make it more, lack of a better word, to make it more human. I love it. And you know, you could even do things like having a scavenger hunt in your, in your Zoom meeting and having them try to find, um, you know, the area of a room or whatever shape you're talking about. See if you can find a cube or rectangular prism and just make it that interactive as you can, bringing in their own funds of knowledge. And I agree. I think too, that, you know, these kids are like the YouTube generation. They love what, I mean, it's almost kind of voyeuristic, but they love watching other people in IRL, right? That's their language. Um, my son said that I'm like, what is IRL? And he's like, oh mom, in real life. So their real life is happening on YouTube. So as silly as it gets, I think we'll make it so much more real for them. So bring in some of that humor. Brett, what about you? Any um, challenges or things you want to share about building right, relationships? How much, <laughs> how much time do you have? Okay. I think I'm, I'm evolving a little bit from it. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's going... I've had, I definitely have my challenges, right? So, you know, I, I have the same issues as Paul, you know, a lot of my students are not showing their, their faces and I, I can't see them. I don't know if they're paying attention. So ultimately I had to learn how to check for feedback, you know, using polls, using cahoots, actually out of cahoot. Now you can build lessons where you show them slides and slip in little questions here and there. Uh, I like to use Ed puzzle for those purposes as well, but it's been it's been a challenge yeah that's you know, a good one also with pacing you know i'm a new teacher and although i've worked in special education as a paraprofessional for a couple of years knowing how quickly to move when i have students that such different abilities is something that i feel like i'm starting to understand six weeks into teaching now mm -hmm. and then as well as lesson planning you know um, I, I can't pile drive these kids into the ground with, with too much work. I have to 
be realistic and understand these kids have so many things going on in their lives. So ultimately, yes, it's important that we learn about history, but I have to think about, you know, the growth mindset, you know, the SEL stuff and also the primary core skills that they need, you know, speaking, writing, reading, uh, you know, ability to infer something after reading it. Right. So I'm, I'm starting to kind of shift to what Travis is doing with uh, recording the videos and letting students lead the lesson because I've, I've stayed up until the late hours of the night thinking I got this great, uh, you know, lesson on the American revolution. And then I show up and I, I'm amped, I'm excited. And I'm halfway through the lesson and I realize I'm getting metaphorical blank stares and I feel like Charlie Brown getting the football pulled out under me. So. Yes, that, that is a huge frustration, but I it, love it's, it's a challenge, but right. well, I, I realize that we're all going through. I, I started the year off. We just lost you. You started the year off with. Um, I said, uh, I, I feel like I started the year with, you know, the personal approach, like I, you know, I, did, I recorded a video, I getting to know each other and then I kind of strayed from that. And then Friday, I, I just realized like, I, I need these kids to know who I am and, you know, so I, I pulled up my dog, you know, my dog does a lot of tricks. I have my dog, you know, bark and twirl around. And now I'll, I'll just pull out my guitar. I'll pull out my guitar and I'll play like a power chord or a riff and just. <laughs> As he reaches for his guitar. As you reach for your guitar. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and uh, actually, you know, next week, my, my uh, instructional aide and I are going to wrap a supply and demand over an instrumental. I mean, it's going to be terrible, but they, they're going to like it. So. <laughs> That's awesome. And you're bringing humor in there and showing yeah. your vulnerable side, which is also so important online. I mean, I had one class one year, it was my father passed away. And it was just such a challenge for me to try to be teaching and dealing with the loss of my dad. And I was traveling back and forth, he had cancer and all this. And then I finally just told my students and they were so there for me. It was like, I'm like, wow, why did I wait so long to try to make that human connection with these learners? Because, you know, as much as we are teachers, we're also learners too. We learn so much from our students and it's such a blessing to be a, a teacher and to also kind of get into that vulnerable space of also being a learner and learn from our students. So whether you're doing polling or connecting or sharing and all those different um, strategies to make those human connections um and to build those relationships all right you guys i am so happy that you've taken so much time we're gonna wrap up with um we talked a lot about tech tools but how about your advice for new teachers is there one or if you want to share about one tech tool maybe wrap it all up into one um what's your advice for new teachers in this distance learning world <laughs> Paul, you want to get started? Sure, yeah. Um, let's see. Advice for new teachers. That's the, uh, normally I, ha I have tons of advice, but this is a, <laughs> this is a different level, right? Um, I think for me, um, 
in terms of the kids, um, you know, I think just if you're if you're going to be completely brand new and you have no idea, you know, what tech tools are out there, I think like just playing around with Google's suite is probably like your your best bet because it's it's already made for collaboration, right? So you have what you were saying before was you know Jamboard and that's for, you know Jamboard is amazing, you know uh, Slides is amazing. I've actually um, have to give a shout out to Ed Campos Jr. is an amazing uh, amazing educator and. I kind of learned something from him, uh, something new in the last week and a half is uh, I'm just used to slides with the slide deck on your on the left side. Um, and I use Google Meet and we don't have the breakout rooms yet. And I guess that's right. coming, I believe, next month. Um, but what we did is I, we kind of just did a mock uh, breakout room with the kids where they all got a slide. And they're all working at the same time. And then you just put Google Slides into grid view and you can see all of them at once. Cool. And you can go into each separate slide. It's like their own separate room. So advice to new teachers is for, in, in terms of like tech tools, Google, you can't go wrong with the Google Suite. And maybe just play around with like two of them. You know, don't get overwhelmed. Just pick two, practice on two, and, and that's great. Um, but the one thing I can't uh, emphasize enough is um, if you're not on Twitter, <laughs> you have to get on Twitter because there are some amazing educators that I learn. I learn something new every single day um, on, on social media. So um, just build up your your professional learning network like crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm on Twitter and you're on Twitter. So you have to share everyone. What's your Twitter handle? Okay, so it's... <laughs> I was thinking about it's it's easier it's easier said than typed. <laughs> it's um so it's it's like my it's like my last name it's it's Dietrich, but it has like education kind of mixed in so it's Dietrich Education. Well, we'll have to put that in the show notes. I, yeah, <laughs> I know, a, yeah I'll, we'll have to put that in there. <laughs> that's a long one, but cool. Yeah, or you can always find me on Twitter at Teacher Prep Tech, and you can look at my friends because Paul is one of my friends. Shout out to Paul and to Ed Campos. He's amazing. I love all the yeah. stuff he's doing with math and Google tools, but I never knew about that with Google Slides and Grid View. That is, yeah, that is like a virtual breakout it room was a party. Game that's awesome. And so you could just put a problem up there and just make a copy of that same problem and see all of your students working on it. Oh yeah, I'll just copy and paste like, and then have everyone um, and just invite them to one slide deck and maybe make a copy and paste of like a slide that has all my little man manipulatives for counters, for example. Right. And that way I can see in grid view, oh, here's, here, there, I can see everyone using the manipulators at the same time. It's really, it's, and I can, I can tell also the kids who are not engaged so right away i can know like oh who in the crowd is actually not maybe watching right and then boom i'm in that slide giving them extra support right great great tip travis how about you what's your advice for new teachers um i'm gonna give again more kind of general um advice um so i, I mentioned it um before about having a backup plan make sure that you're over planned for the day like that you have your your whatever it is that that you're Going to do, but in case it goes wrong, I can rely on X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. um, just, just having that that with you, so that way you can go with the flow. Um, I, I think that's important. Um, I think having consistency or being consistent um, and, and in your structure, um, having a set of rules for for your class and just sticking to them to where it becomes the norm. Especially for first year teachers, you're going to get tested a lot. Um, 
and you know, it, if you just stick to it and you maintain that consistency, um, that testing kind of goes away after the first couple of weeks. Um, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. I mentor reform in my ninth year teaching. I make mistakes all the time. Um, everybody does. It's just a matter of learning from your mistakes. Um, reflecting on that, seeing what you did, how you can change it, how you cannot make that mistake again. I think that's, that's how we learn and grow. Um, and then, you know, li listen to the kids, listen to what they have to say, reflect on what it is. If something's not working for them, you know, try to figure out why it's not working um, and what you can do to, to fix it. Um, they are very honest. I, you know, I've noticed that in every grade level that I've taught, I've taught from sixth grade all the way to, to 12th grade. They are very honest and they, you know, especially about their learning, they want to learn. They, otherwise they're, you know, everybody's just wasting their time. Um, so, so hearing them out, hearing how they, they work best. Um, I've taught some version of U.S. history for the last nine years. I don't think I've taught it the same way, you know, any of those nine years. Um, you know, it, it all just depends on my students, what their interests are, what they're into, how, how I can take the material, the course, you know, the, the content that I know well as, as a professional um, and adapting that to my kids, um, wh whatever their interests are, whatever's going to help them learn and grow. Um, so I, I think you need to be a flexible, you need to adapt. Um, and so when, when you're planning, being able to plan it for, you know, a little bit broader audience, how, how you can adapt it to your kids. And that's just getting to know them. And that's my final piece of advice right. um, is that, you know, I've heard some version of this before that it's, you know, um, the kids don't care what, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. The kids don't care what you know. They just want to know that you care. Um, and they're, they're, you know, at the end of the year, they're not going to remember every single lesson that you did. Um, if you're lucky, they might remember three or four. Um, but they're never going to forget how you made them feel. And so just building those relationships, making sure that they know that you are there for them, that you're their advocate, that you care for them. That's probably the biggest and most important thing you can do as an educator. Amen. No, I agree with you 110%. And on that note, they'll probably also remember your teacher, Mr. McMahon, strumming the guitar and trying to rap for U.S. history. I mean, that sounds classic. I definitely want that video on my YouTube channel. Brett, what's your advice? And thanks so much, Travis. That was some great advice. <laughs> so my advice that I would have for new educators is look, you're going to stink. Okay. Just get it out of your head that you're going to come in and you're going to be great. All right. You're going to stink and that's okay. Right. I feel like people that were born before, you know, maybe the two thousands, maybe the nineties, you know, we were more afraid of failure on average. Whereas we see all these successful examples of people that, embrace failure. They see every failure as a new opportunity to learn. So I struggle with that personally. Right. So being a new teacher, I don't like failing, but I have to have to embrace the failure and learn from my mistakes, you know, you know, not do the same thing over and over again, find ways that I can improve. And then, so that, that would just be the mindset I would be taking. But when it comes to, um, you know, learning how to teach, especially as a special education teacher, you have to learn all your caseload management, your special education law. And then you have the actual 
instruction piece. And you have to realize that your kids only see this side of things. They don't see everything that you're doing over here. So you can't let it overlap. Like if I'm frustrated, you know, because I don't know what I'm fully doing over here, I can't let it impact this. So. Absolutely. Um, so I love that about fail forward. I mean, I'm sorry, fail, be acceptable with failure. And I was thinking about, I love this video from um, Will Smith. And I always show it to my students when we talk about grit. It's like fail forward. Wait, fail, fail, fail forward. And something like that. Anyways, but I also want to share with you guys, you're all rock star teachers and doing an amazing job. That one of the other things that you also want to be mindful of is that you guys are the weather makers in the classroom, right? So whether you're in person or online, you're creating that climate. So make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Brett and I were talking about this earlier. He got a spin bike from his sister and they're exercising in the morning um, and doing some yoga and some meditation and mindfulness and make sure you're getting enough sleep, Brett. So I don't want to hear it again about you up till two in the morning doing lesson plans because that's not enough Z time. So get some sleep, drink lots of water, uh, do a lot of self-care. You know, if you feel yourself getting stressed out, you know, um, do some meditation or some mindfulness. Uh, open up the Bible, say a prayer, whatever, you know, rocks your world and will get you through the day. You got to turn to that. You got to know that you are the weather maker and you control that climate. So be positive, be um, adventurous, have fun, love what you do. And as Brett shared, the Happiness Lab podcast <laughs> will give you some uh, positive self-talk as well. It's all good stuff. Well, thank you guys all so much uh, for joining me this evening and taking the time out of your busy Sunday plan day to talk about your successes, your challenges, and what it's like to teach distance learning. Have a great evening. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, you guys. Cool.